Welcome to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. And please rate and review the show. I'm your host, William Liu, and I'm joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong. Special edition of the Raptor Show. We've been uh, we've been off air, but exclusively on podcasts. Um, so we've been doing these like super super long two hour shows. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, it, you know we got brought back because you know the Raptors obviously uh, unveiled their new head coach Darko Ryakovich. Um, earlier today, we had just come from the press conference. Uh, definitely um, a unique press conference. Holding it outdoors, it was a, a lot of um, decoration and you know excitement put into this event. Lots of MLSC employees sort of you know standing around. A lot of people on a lunch break, just you know in the general area, um, tapping in to see Masai, see uh, Darko, and also just the whole organization. Like we're talking about, like coaches. Um, and assistance analytics people like they had everybody essentially show up and sort of be together at once to welcome Darko to Toronto. So uh yeah, Alex, how you doing, man? Yeah, I'm good, man. Yeah, it was an interesting uh it was an interesting event, outdoor event, you know, talking to some of the media members, you know, asking guys like Michael Grange too. Like uh, I don't think any of us can remember having an introduction event outdoors there. I actually asked Grange Square. about that because, um, you know, obviously he's he's one of the longtime reporters. And uh, Grange was like, I feel like the last time they had an event this big was when Hito got signed. Oh, okay. Yeah. And at the time, Hito was a marquee signing for Toronto. But we can move past that because that's, that's bad. Yeah, that's bad vibes. Yeah, that's no. Bad vibes uh, hopefully this one uh, uh, turns out better. Um, but yeah, like you said, you know, it's been, it's been almost a two-month search since Nick Nurse was let go. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've heard so many of the... Different names come up, you know, early on it was Ime Udoka, you know, Becky Hammond's name was brought up, Charles Lee, JJ Reddick, Steve Nash, Jordy Fernandez. I think at some point, you know, the last couple of weeks we have been talking about, you know, Sergio Scariolo, looking mm-hmm. at what his schedule was like with Virtuous Bologna. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they ended up going with Darko Ryakovic, who was a top assistant with Memphis the last three years, obviously has decades long experience coaching both overseas and here. And I think... I think one of the things, you know, you doing, um, you know, a couple of shows too, you know, emergency podcasts over the weekend talking to Grange, like in general, there's just not a lot of information about who Darko really is as a coach, right? And I think one of the things that we were hoping to to find out, like from the presser today, um, was was a bit more about him. Um, and um, I'm not sure. What, what did what did you pick up from from the presser? I mean, I thought it started off with incredible energy. Um, from both Masai and mm. from uh, and from Darko, mm-hmm. Darko gave the analogy of sort of just like you know I'm kind of like a duck right now on the water. I seem um, you know calm, but below the water, below the surface, uh, I'm really paddling. He gave mm. that example, and he really did come out with a ton of energy. I thought he was very positive and really bright. Um, to me, it seems like he would be uh, sort of a player friendly coach in terms of just like definitely not a kind of guy who will come in and and uh, put his foot down and yell at everybody and sort of my way or the highway. I think it's gonna be you know, a younger direction in terms of with the head coach, he's going to be a little bit more collaborative, maybe try to connect with the players. He talked a lot more about that. He talked about how he wants to, like, really gain the trust of uh, um, the players themselves. And, you know, and honestly, by the way, I, I don't know why we're burying the lead, but we'll have more details when we get Darko himself on the phone. Yes, he'll be joining uh, in us in, half in the second segment. Yeah. So stay tuned to that because, obviously, you know, I'll be asking him a lot more about uh, his process as a coach. But, um, yeah, you know, he, he came with a lot of energy and then Masai came over the top with energy when he said, uh, you know, his infamous line, you know, um, yeah, I think we've got the clip here. We have, from, to, we have uh, the clip. Let's go from, from Derek Brandeo of, uh, Masai. It's a good time for the Serbs, uh, right now. <laughs> you guys know, <laughs> I want to be a 
you uh, Masai, you Jirianovich. That's what that's, that's that's what I want to be now. You know, it's one of those jokes when when the big boss, like you mentioned, a lot of MLSE employees were there. Mm-hmm. You know, when the big boss makes a joke, even that's what that's. that's you got you got a lot of uh, you, you got to just you got to just you know laugh along yeah you got to laugh along what, what was th- your what did you make of of uh Masai's, uh you know i, th- I think this is just Masai. like this it really is like it's mm. i don't think it says anything about like anything about him as an executive but more about <laughs> him as a person he kind of really gives you that yeah what of, does like, this say about him as an executive it's like an ethnic uncle vibe you know what i mean mm. yeah like i remember okay. even when he won you the championship Jirianovich. yeah well i can't <laughs> wait to say that over and over again um but no, I think with Masai too, he gives off this like. Yeah, I remember when he won, when the Raptors won the championship four uh, four years ago on this day, um, June thirteenth, uh, twenty nineteen, and he gave the speech and um, you, he was on the stand. And he said, "You know, I said we'll win in Toronto, and we have won in Toronto." And then he goes, "Yeah." So <laughs> like, there's just like that kind of energy about him. Yeah, like right? an enthusiasm, like, for sure. That's <laughs> There's, there's definitely a lot of that. Shut some aside. We're getting so much content out of this already. <laughs> Dark, Dark also gave the, uh, the We the North. He yeah, said, I'm so, so excited. Hashtag, yeah, so, hashtag so, we the North. so the the press conference officially started at, at 1.05 p.m. Eastern. And, mm. you know, Masai, Masai and Darko made their, their opening remarks. You know, the thank yous to the organization, you know, for the process and, and, and all of this. And, and at 1.08 p.m., he officially became a Raptor because... He, Darko closed off his uh, statement. You know, he spoke highly of the organization, mm-hmm. championship organization. Um, and, and he said best it off. ownership, best GM, yeah. best president. Yeah. I mean, this is the way you got to roll in when you're introduced first day on the job. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Best and, fans. And he said, said the we the North. And I think, you know, a bunch of reporters, um, you know, it's obviously there looking to, to find out a little bit more. Um, and do have a few clips here that, that maybe we can, sure. you know, at least talk about a little bit. Uh, one of the questions... Uh, first question was from from Doug Smith at, at the Toronto Star, uh, asking Darko to describe what his coaching philosophy is. And here's what new Raptors head coach uh, Darko Ryakovich had to say. The biggest thing that I enjoyed is seeing players get better, players improve. You know, you're going to win games, you're going to lose games. Uh, definitely, we want to win every, every single game, every single night. But seeing the team grow, seeing the players grow, seeing uh, uh, people in whole organization grow is something that always uh, was my uh, biggest award. And that's how I operate. I'm trying uh, to wake up every single day with that, that on my mind. How can I help? How can I serve? How can I improve uh, everybody in the organization? Yeah, and I think that was a common theme like throughout the presser. You know, he was later asked about his strengths and improvements, um, areas that he would like to improve in as a head coach. And, you know, he talked about the goal of, of wanting to get all 17 players on the roster better, like like the mm-hmm. theme of just mm-hmm. development and improvement. And I know that was a very heavy talking point during uh, last season as, as the Raptors were struggling, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think we all remember Masai's presser at, at the trade deadline talking about that he wanted to see if players like Malachi Flynn, Delano Banton could, could improve more. So this was a, this was a recurring theme during, during today's presser from, uh, from Darko. For sure, for sure. Um, I, I think that probably has to sound really good to Masai, who um, his whole ethos and ever since he's been in Toronto and even when he was in Denver, the whole idea was, you know, we have to be, we have to make our players better. And that's always something he always talked about. Player development is the lifeblood of the Toronto Raptors as a franchise. Um, you know, I'm not saying that free agency is impossible, but historically free agency is impossible, right? So you get players here through trade, through through 
you know, low level signing, let's say, let's say definitely not max level marquee signing. Um, and you get players in through the draft. And once you get the players here, you got to improve their craft. And that's how we saw um, when the Raptors had pretty much a decade long of success in terms of making the playoffs over and over and again. Um, it was by bringing players in and raising their level. I thought Kyle Lowry raised his level and, and made himself into a star in Toronto. Same thing with DeMar DeRozan, right? Same thing with Pascal. Um, you know, we're talking about a guy who was picked like 27th and, you know, was not that heavily scouted. Um, you know, I heard stories about, like, there not even being many teams. To, like, you can count on one hand the amount of teams that scouted him in person uh, where he was at New Mexico State. And to see him sort of, like, grow into the point where, you know, he can make an all-star, he can be a champion in all-NBA, like, that's the lifeblood of the team. Fred Van Bleed, you know, OG and Obi Norman Powell, like, you got to be able to bring players into this organization and, and develop them. And I think that that's probably one of the concerning things. Um, you know, part of the f- winning a championship like the Raptors in in 2019 is that you have to exhaust some of your, you know, development capital, right? Like you had to trade a first round pick. Uh, you had to trade Jakob Pertl when you, uh, along with DeMar Rosen to get Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green, which obviously is a great trade, but you 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 take some of the v- developmental progress, you've you've given up on that, right? When you traded for Marcus Gasol, you traded away a guy like DeLon Wright, a guy like Jonas Valanciunas. Those guys are guys that you have developed in your program some future picks as well. And of course, when you're winning, you're picking lower and lower in the draft. And so there was a period there for the Toronto where it was just like, okay, we have done all this winning. We pushed all in and it worked and no one has any regrets, but how do you get that development system back into the position that it was before where it was sort of the secret ingredient for Toronto. And I think that's been a disappointing thing watching, especially last season. It was like, okay, not only was the basketball bad to watch, which was in Masai's own words, um, but also that, you didn't see development, not just from the lower end players on the roster in terms of, um, you know, guys like Delano, you know, Ron Harper Jr., Christian Coloco, those guys we actually saw at the press conference today. They sat front row. Yeah, sitting front row today was Delano Banton, Ron Harper Jr., Christian Coloco, Joe Wieskamp, and free agent Jeff Down Jr. Your boy? Your boy Jeff yeah, Down? He's not part of the team. Um, um, okay. But like... Precious Achua also, also was there. In attendance, he, he he did show up at one twenty when the we're press not, conference. We're not at doing attendance. Yeah. Well, I am. Oh, okay. But you know, I I think not just the development didn't happen with the lower end of the, mm. the roster because they've been picking lower in the draft, but it didn't happen with some of the more key players. We're talking about a guy like Scotty Barnes came out for Rookie of the Year season. All the excitement. I remember going to uh, what did they do? Media Day Hotel X last year. Yeah, at Hotel yeah. X. Yeah. So sitting in that, that fancy hotel and, and, and everyone's going up there and, and talking about what's going to happen this season. Scotty was talking about, you know, my goals are to make all-star, all-defensive team, maybe win defensive player of the year in this league. You know, there were, there were no steps towards that. He wasn't even close to any of those goals this year. Um, and so you need to see development in those key figures, right? Him. You got to do better, fam. Precious Achua, right? You know, like we, we got really excited about Precious after he arrived in Toronto last season in the Kyle Lowry signing trade. That first year, he showed some promise, built as the year went on, found his three-point shooting, became a pretty vital part of the Raptors' rotation. This past season, whether it was because of injuries or because of whatever, just never found his footing, and it got to the point where he barely played towards the end. Um, you know, there, there needs to be development with those guys, in addition to the fact that the Raptors have a 13th uh, overall pick incoming. And, of course, if the Raptors do pivot at the time of the draft, um, potentially even more. Um, players coming in. And so you're going to need somebody who really believes in player development. And I'm actually really looking forward to speaking with Darko about his philosophy with player development, because that is the number one most important thing with Toronto. Yeah. And I think based on his track record too, you know, think about the players that he's worked with, 
you know, in Memphis from, from like a Desmond Bain or a Zaire Williams. And you've heard them speak obviously glowingly about these guys. And, you know, I think about this Raptors team too, like you mentioned, like, I think, you know, it's good to talk about all this development stuff, you know, ultimately all these coaches, Darko as well is going to be judged by, by the result uh, on the floor. And I think it brings up two things for me. Number one is like, you know, which, which of these players on the roster has really, if you look at it from the past couple of years, really improved. Like I look at, I look at Pascal as a clear example of someone who's mm-hmm. who's continued to develop his game, right? We've been in here talking about, you know, OGN and Obi. I think clearly we know what he is on the defensive end, but there's been a clear desire from him to want to be more of an, uh, a contributor on offense. Mm-hmm. And we haven't seen much of that development there for him to to deserve that, that you know, larger role. And then you trickle it down to um, even Scotty Barnes. Like, how is the organization going to get the best out of Scotty over the next three, four years. Scotty Barnes. Oh, man. Shout <laughs> out to Derek. You, you know we're Derek. back in the studio when Derek's playing that Scotty I'm actually, Barnes. Part. I actually came in just to hear that. And Nihau. Um, and and um, it, it's like, that's what he's going to be evaluated on. Like you said, sure, like yeah. this is no no disrespect to, to free agent Jeff Down Jr. And, you know, to to Delano, to Malachi. Like you would, yes, you would like to see. I think the organization would love to see that maybe a different coach, a different coaching staff, a different approach might be able to bring more out of them, right? Because mm-hmm. the one criticism I think of the last couple of years is like you look at all the players, um, you know, the top five, six players being, you know, all up there on the leaderboard and, and, and you know, minutes and, and things like that. It's like, and you look around the league and, and no team really runs that blueprint of playing six players during the regular season. It's like, how are teams like the Miami Heat, like all these teams in the playoffs, able to to mold these role players who are all like imperfect players, right? There aren't a lot of perfect players in this league when you look at two-way players, but how are you able to fit them into a role, right? Yeah. How am I able to see Duncan Robinson contribute during a championship run mm-hmm. when I've clearly been told that he this is a one-way player and you can see that he has defensive you know, deficiencies, right? So it's like... You was making chase down blocks yesterday. Yeah, I was really but, impressed but it's like you look about. at a Malachi, like yep. you can see the potential on the offensive end, right? You can see the athleticism in Delano. And maybe these players don't pan out. Maybe these players are, you know, headed to, to G League or they end up playing overseas for their careers. But I think the organization feels like there's a, still a chance to tap into mm. the potential of these players and I think it just, uh, again, goes back to what you said. The organization has always preached this and they've lost a little bit of this the last couple of years. And hopefully Darko, the hiring of Darko and the coaching staff is like the beginning of of getting that back as part of their identity. Mm-hmm. And again, it's it's crucial. Whether they want to continue building from the middle or bottoming out and building from the bottom, um, like both directions, they're going to need player development. So um, yeah, it's going to be very key. I, I can't wait to ask Darko about this in about 15 minutes. Yeah, for what, sure. What other topics you got? <laughs> what other topics I got? Uh, let's see. Um, well, we, you know, I, I know Masai did did a did a side scrum as well, just talking to some of the reporters. Yeah, Masai uh, did one. Afterward. Bobby did one as well. Yeah, shouts yeah. shouts to Bobby as well. And, and Masai did confirm. I think you were closer as we get here that they interviewed fifteen people for this process. Yes, right? So we yeah. just wanted to. Yeah, point that as well. I, I, yeah, I think I had put it. I think I had overestimated when I said two dozen. I think okay. two dozen is. It was, 20, a, little, was, a, was a little 24? bit, a little bit ambitious, yeah. but no, 15 was, was kind of, you know, what Masai talked about. And, um, yeah, he, he, I guess he went into detail a little bit in terms of a couple of candidates, you know, Kenny seemed like it was, it was a candidate with him. It seemed like him and Kenny, uh, go back a while from, you know, Kenny used to be a scout. I didn't know that. Oh, okay. He talked about how, you know, him and Kenny used to have dinners and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm not surprised to see with that in mind that Kenny was involved in this process. 
talked about losing Griff was tough or interviewing Griff was tough. You, you, you really feel pretty confident in Griff's ability mm-hmm. to take over. Obviously, he's, he's Adrian Griffin has now become the head coach uh, in Milwaukee. And then I asked Messiah to snuck one. Because, you know, when you're in that scrum setting, like you just never know when PR is going to pull Messiah out or Messiah is going to leave or whatever. Yeah. So people just kind of want to keep the conversation going. And I kind of just tossed in at the end there. Like, you know, Messiah, um, how are you going to feel about seeing Nick? Nick Nurse uh, four times a year because now they're in the division uh, in Atlantic with uh, with Philadelphia, and he's like, "Oh yeah, we'll be ready, we'll be ready." So I was like, "All right, I'm uh, I'm kind of, you know I'm I'm a little bit excited to see that because you know we kind of turned it into a storyline when it was Dwayne Casey facing the Raptors that became a huge storyline every time Detroit <laughs> played Toronto. So I wonder if the same thing will happen with Nick. So, so you're saying you're saying when the Raptors play the Sixers and maybe it's a nationally televised game. Who are the two people that are going to be on the graphic? Is it going to be Nick Nurse and Masai? Uh, honestly, <laughs> I feel like Nick is going to make the graphic. Nick should make the graphic. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I suppose, I mean, it would be disrespectful not to put Darko in that, in that position. By the yeah. way, I, I, that's a little fun fact. Nick did actually coach against Darko in the G League. Oh, that's right. Yeah. When the Tulsa 66ers. Yeah, you know about the Tulsa 66ers? Faced off against the real Grande yeah. Valley Vipers. A two um, 0 sweep. Oh wow! It was, it, was like, it was like Champions League. Okay, I'm pretty sure <laughs> that's won both legs. I'm pretty sure that's going to get brought up when the Raptors <laughs> play the Sixers. You know, uh-huh. uh, another clip here too. You know, one of the few X's and O's questions. Um, you know, Samson Folk was able to a- ask uh, Darko Hryakovic about just his defensive principles, and and Darko uh, elaborated a little bit about it. Here's what he had to say. Um, defensively, I think uh, that one of, one of the strengths of this team is uh, the length that we have on the team and ability to do so many things from switching, from different coverages on the ball and off the ball. Um, for me, everything defensively starts with protecting the paint. Mm. If you protect the paint, after that, we're going to take away corner threes and we're going to have uh, late contested uh, wing threes. We can get in X and O's and I can draw you our schemes when we get a chance. <laughs> I would love to do that. Uh, but uh, uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, to talk with, uh, with our guys as well and see their comfort level with all of these things. Uh, all decisions that I'm going to be making, uh, I'm going to consult uh, with, with players and uh, people in organization with my coaching staff uh so uh don't worry we're gonna have really good defense mm. thoughts on that yes yeah. sharing of his philosophies by the way samson folk gonna light light up like a christmas tree like Kawhi when they finally sit down to do that x's and o's oh he was he was thrilled when 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 darko offered uh to, to i suppose draw up the, the schemes i don't know if you're serious about that that would be actually very awesome if he did but um yeah i mean i, I think defensively it's not a dissimilar from what most teams would say in terms of just like, I, you know, if you were to build out a, a, a defense, what would you want to do? Number one, you want to take away the paint. Then you want to take away corner threes, which is the next most analytically friendly shot. Um, and then you kind of live with contested wing threes. It's not too dissimilar, for example, than what the Milwaukee Bucks have been running defensively. Um, now, I don't think the Raptors have the roster necessarily to play the Bucks style of defense. Um, nor do I think that that's necessarily the best way to make use of all the length that the Raptors have. But, hey, listen, Milwaukee's had a really successful defense over the years, good enough to win them a championship, right? So there are elements to take from that. Um, you know, I, I do think that, uh, again, a lot of this you will see much more in principle or much more in, in, in practice once you see it um, take place. We obviously have to see what happens with the roster um, in terms of, um, you know, what happens with free agency and the draft, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, yeah, I mean, I really wouldn't mind if the Raptors, you know, 
focused on taking away the paint in corner threes. Those are the most obvious places to to score from from the opponent and also at the free throw line. The Raptors have had a lot of issues with fouling opponents. So we want to definitely cut down on those as well. But um, yeah, I mean, that that all sounds good to me. It sounds more feasible when you have Jakob Pertl back. So um, ideally, obviously, he's re-signed, but it seems very much like all the directions point towards him being re-signed. So yeah, it makes sense. I, I think offensively, we've heard a lot more about Darko um, because, you know, if you, you he was, from my understanding, he was an offensive coordinator of sorts in Phoenix and also in Memphis. And so, um, you know, you can kind of look at how those teams fared and performed. I thought, you know, that year he ran Phoenix, um, they were number one in the league in assists, right? The second lowest in turnover or in uh, isolations. So clearly it was definitely a ball movement kind of um, system. You know, he talked about how the Warriors passed 300 times a game, over 300 times a game. You know, he would like to sort of replicate a lot of that. So again, like that sounds in theory, that, that makes a lot of sense. So it's good to know a little bit about in terms of what he likes offensively, what he likes defensively. But again, it's going to come down to the personnel and, and how that's going to how that's going to look with the specific players that he has. And he does strike me as someone who's flexible, right? I don't think he comes in with like a this is my way and I'm very going to I'm going to stick to this. Right. I, I do think that he even he said in his answer, he's going to collaborate with players and and other coaches, et cetera. Yeah, it's funny. It's like you talk about this too. I know we had like previous conversations about this yesterday and like thinking more about just Darko's background, you know, being a head coach overseas and, and obviously being, um, having the experience, um, you know, as, as an assistant, like does remind me a little bit of um, like when Nick Nurse um, got the job here too. Oh yeah. Like, like was, kind of a coaching life. Very very full of energy at that point. And, and, you know, the, Nick got a lot of credit too for, for player development you know, with, with the Raptors when he was an assistant as well. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty interesting too, to see the kind of mirror images yeah. of that. And I think um, this is also something that, you know, Masai was talking to us about. It was just sort of just like, this is the league right now where it's like you have so many coaching candidates who have like these really impressive resumes and these great ideas. And, you know, he talked about part of the, not just that like, you know, this wasn't a very specific and purposeful and, and, and obviously they want Darko, but it's sort of just like, you need also like timing and luck with the whole situation in terms of, you know, um, how it's all going to play out. And obviously a lot of the coaches, their, their success or their downfall is going to depend a lot based on how much he can reach the players and uh, how much the players can execute and what their ability is. Um, But no, I I think by all accounts, it it makes sense. It's a, it's it's a good hiring. I, I liked his enthusiasm, you know, for me in terms of just like, Okay, we could talk about the the details of what the coach, and again, we will talk to to Coach Ryakovich about this after the break. But um, I'm also just thinking about like in terms of personality, what I really like get along, or like what I really be motivated by a guy like this. And it seems like Darko seems very energetic from the brief time that we've seen him, and you know, I, I think that players should respond well to that. And I think he genuinely, really, really cares to build that bond with the players, and that is going to be really, really important. Yeah. Um, before we take the break and get Darko on the phone, you know, the, the other piece of Raptors news that came out this week, um, to no surprise, uh, Fred declined his player option yep. for next season and will be headed to unrestricted free agency. I believe we're still waiting on, um, Gary Trent Jr. as well has a, has a deadline day coming up on, on whether he's going to like, 20th. Okay. For, so for, it's on the Gary. 20th, but it, I mean, he could free agency. He could you know, do decide it. earlier than that. Yeah. Like like Fred's option date was uh, the 15th. Right now it's the 13th. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, thoughts on Fred. I know we talked about Fred, but heading to free agency. It's going to be plenty of plenty of suitors. You know, Woj reported too that, you know, the contenders will want to see if they can 
make a sign and trade. It sounds like there's going to be a pretty robust market there for for Fred to to look for the money that he wants to, right? Yeah. I mean, again, I, I think number one is a it's a it's a weak free agent class. Um, number two, Fred's an accomplished player, um, and I think that you know he's in that right age where people really see this as a very productive time in his career. People want to sign him. Obviously, you know, there are very strong reports of his personality and sort of like, you know, the culture that he would bring to turn teams. So there's that aspect as well. And also, I, I you know, I, I just thought that Woj made that into a pretty big segment on TV. And I feel like changing agencies <laughs> well, He said, he said the really... first major domino has fallen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, listen, you know, when you join Clutch, there are, there are certain benefits. Oh, and, okay. Uh, and I feel oh. like we, we did see some of that yesterday. Um, but actually, you know, in terms of our thoughts with, with, with Fred, in terms of bringing him back or what the options are there, you can actually find a longer discussion about that on our most recent episode mm-hmm. of the Raptor Show podcast. So I would direct you there because I think the more pertinent part about this is we had a uh, sidebar with, with Bobby after the, yes. the, the, the live um, portion. And, you know, I, I jumped in there and I asked Bobby, like, hey, um, you know, Fred turned down his, his, his player options, sort of what's the situation with Fred and sort of do you plan to keep him long term? And obviously, Bobby was going to give me like, yes, we're going to keep him or anything like that. Um, but he did say that he was, he's, you know, they've been in long contact with um, Fred. He called him yesterday and that, uh, you know, they anticipated this. I, I think financially it made sense in terms of just like his option was for $23 million and he's probably going to make about $30 million per year going forward. So it made sense for him to opt out of that. And yeah, I mean, you know, it seems like they still have that strong communication, which I think is important because whether he is re-signed or whether the Raptors orchestrate a sign-and-trade, you're going to need very strong communication with him and his representatives to orchestrate both of those scenarios. So, um, yeah, I'm not too surprised with that, too. I mean, obviously, Fred has kept good relationships with the front office. Yeah, and like you've mentioned, too, like if they, if they lose Fred and Gary, like there's just not, like they're going to need to fill those spots. Like it's not like there's all these guards waiting. To, to 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 take over mm. and and i think i think that'll be interesting Dunn? too uh what? what about your boy jeff uh, he's currently a free agent so I can't, he's currently downtown in toronto man he I might see speak. you on the street i can't speak on that you gotta moment. come see jeff Dunn, come see alex long <laughs> no the man it's all good um, i'm out. just following the cba rules um would you be excited if if the raptors brought back basically that the, the roster uh you know with darko as the coach and then obviously the emphasis would be having a new head coach with a similar roster and seeing what they what a new head coach can bring out of a roster that did not perform last season to expectations. I cuz that is one scenario, right? I mean, I I don't know, it's hard to say I'd be excited right now just based on the results last season, but we also know last season was a problem for many many things. So sure. I, I think that that's where the new coach will come in. Um and yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think for me, um, I am curious to see how a new voice will come in there. Because, again, this is a pretty new thing for the Raptors. Like, this is the first time, you know, the Raptors have brought in a new voice to be the head coach from outside the organization. Yeah. We've had a lot of permanency. Dwayne Casey was here for a long time. Nick Nurse was here for a long time. Nick was the assistant here. So this is the first new voice coming in from outside the organization. So, you know, we're going to take that break. We're going to work to get Coach Ryakovich on the line. Uh, but for now, I've been your host, Walu. You've been listening to The Raptors Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers' sportsbook award winning customer service. 
It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers Online Casino and Sportsbook. Must be 19 plus. Available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1 866 531 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, William Liu, and I am very pleased to be joined on the other side of this program with the newest Raptors head coach, Darko Ryakovich. Coach, um, first off, welcome to Toronto. Thanks for taking time. I know you had a very busy day that they're going to parade you around all day, so we appreciate that uh, you make this time. I just wanted to ask, like, uh, how, how are you and your family settling in so far? Um, thank you for having me on the program. Thank you for having me in your uh, city. Um, we are very excited uh, to be here. Very excited to join, join such an amazing organization like uh, like the Raptors. And uh, I just made it back uh, to the hotel, and I'm um, sitting over here and lo- looking through the window at the amazing landscape over here in downtown. This is this is amazing city, right? Yeah, for sure. No, that's, that's that's great to hear, and and it sounds like you're you're busy again. Uh, unfortunately, we're making you talk again, but uh, no. Listen, I was just at the press conference, and uh, you know, I, I, you got to really introduce yourself there. I kind of just wanted to follow up on a couple of things and get some more details. Um, I think you know, um, specifically one of the points of emphasis you you mentioned in the press conference was you you one of your greatest joys in your job as a coach is seeing players grow. And I wanted to ask that, you know, in your time in Oklahoma City, in Phoenix, and in Memphis, what was your specific role when it comes to player development? Like, what did they have you doing where you got to see these players grow um, under your watch? Um, I was uh, kind of with, uh, with the Phoenix, uh, with uh, Oklahoma City. I was kind of like in charge. Uh, I was full-time assistant coach, but I was kind of like in charge leading a uh, player development program. Uh, coming up with uh, with uh, uh, plans uh, for the guys, uh, I had uh, always three or four players that I always worked with. Um, it, it, it's everything uh, from knowing, uh, getting to know those guys, uh, for, to coming up with, uh, with the plans, watching a bunch of video with those guys, and uh, most importantly, trying to get guys to have a buy-in and to do what team needs them to do. You know, whatever the plan was uh, for uh, Scotty Brooks or Billy Donovan or Monty Williams or Taylor Jenkins, it was my job to make sure that those guys are accepting their role and uh, shining in their role. And uh, I always found uh, very, very rewarding to see players uh, to be stars in their roles and to grow into their roles. So it, that was always and is uh, is still going to be my my biggest passion to just to see how guys grow. For sure, and that's going to be very important. I know Masai talks about player development all the time. Uh, I was doing some research about you, and there was a great article written uh, in Memphis by our, our the reporter there, Demichael Cole. Uh, he wrote about how you had a hands-on, um, you know, role in developing a player like Desmond Bain, who we have seen really grow and blossom. He could always really shoot coming out of college. Well, you're seeing him do a lot more in terms of ball handling, secondary uh, play creation. Uh, he, he also wrote about how you had a, a hand in Jaron Jackson Jr.'s development as well. So can you speak to me about what it was like working with Desmond and, and, and Jaron in particular in Memphis? It was uh, it was amazing. And to be honest with you, it's, it, it's pretty easy. Those guys are high, high character guys. Um, they accepted the role from day one. Uh, 
you know, and uh, it was uh, just a, a big joy to see how those guys uh, grew. Mm. Uh, you know, I remember my first conversation when I had with Desmond Bain and I asked him, like, what do you want to be coming in the league as a, as a rookie? And he said, like, you know, I want to be, you know, 3 and D guy, make shots and play defense. I said, like, well, Des, uh, you know, that's not going to work. That's not going to be enough. Because league league is changing so much, the game is changing so much. You can ju- you cannot just be one dimensional player on offense or on defense. You gotta be two way guy. You gotta be able to to finish. You're a great shooter, right? Mm-hmm. So w- what you're gonna do if uh, they chase you off the line and you cannot get, you cannot get your shot? So if you cannot get uh, to the rack, if you cannot uh, score in the contact, if you cannot connect with your teammates, it's gonna be really hard to keep you on the floor. And those, um, you know, open, um, honest conversations uh, from, from the get-go, you know, it's not, you know, it's not always pleasant for the players to hear something like that. But I always uh, hit them with the truth, with the best, uh, uh, with, with the best uh, of their interest uh, there. And I want them to, to be able to see big picture. I never look at a player and say, this is who he is, and let's just take advantage of who he is right now. Mm. I'm always looking... And the potential, how, what it can look like in a year time or two years or three years, you know. And uh, same thing was with uh, Jaron Jackson, you know. Uh, we all really tried to develop his uh, post-up game and uh, finishing closer to the rim. And, uh, you know, he is such a gifted defensive player on his own. So he grew into becoming a all-star player this year and, and having a great uh, great season for Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, well, that that sounds really great. And... You know, I, I think for the Raptors, we're we're really hoping to see that replicated here in Toronto in terms of player development, right? And I think that, um, you know, I want to ask you maybe a more general question about player development. But, you know, in your experience, why do some players develop and, and ultimately reach that next level and, and some players don't? What is the difference there? That's a, that's a, a great, great question. Um, and uh, I've been studying that question for many, many years, mm-hmm. you know, and... I really, really believe it comes down to vision for a player and also a player accepting that, sharing the same vision with you and being humble. Just think about like all the players that make an NBA. They were best players in elementary school, best player on your high school team, best player on your college team, you know, and your whole life, like you're, you're the one, you're the best. Mm-hmm. And then you come to NBA and you walk into the gym and right away, you're not the best anymore. You know, you got to prove yourself from a scratch. You got to understand like what you, what brought you over here is awesome. And you got to embrace that and keep that, but it's not going to be enough to keep you in the league and, and to keep you uh, uh, improving. So you got to accept that who you are is great. And what brought you over here is amazing but that you need to, to adjust, that you need to learn new skills, that you need to uh, put extra work and extra shots. And at the end of the day, you're competing against the uh, best players and best athletes in the world. And uh, uh, you got to be able to evolve. And game itself is constantly changing. Right. So you got to catch up with that and follow that as well. For sure. Well, uh, the other aspect of this um, on the topic of player development, um, do you believe that players need minutes on the floor to develop or do you feel like players need to develop first off the court and then they earn their minutes to get onto the floor? 
I mean, um, every player has to earn minutes, and how do you earn minutes is uh, to through everyday uh, work. If you put mm-hmm. a work every day, and uh, you're talented like majority of uh, huge majority of NBA players are, then it, that, that's going to put you in a situation like you're going to get your opportunity sooner and late or later. And the question is, are you going to be ready to take take advantage of that? But uh, at the end of the day, like, if you're lifting and you're, you're getting shots uh, just with coach and you never enter the game, you're not going to really uh, be able to showcase what you worked on and improve. So you're really becoming a player uh, through playing uh, um, in minutes and growing in the game. You know, without those game, game uh, reps, it's really, really hard to, to know if somebody's really improving or not. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, I think on that subject of development, I think in Toronto, we're obviously we were invested in all the players getting better. And I'm sure you would say that as a coach, too. But I think for a lot of fans, our focus has a lot been on a guy like Scotty Barnes, who, you know, one rookie of the year, I think blew everybody's expectations out of the water as a rookie. And we had such great high hopes for him coming into year two. And, you know, for a variety of reasons, it didn't really feel like he made that jump. It kind of very felt much like the the same thing as season one. Um, from the outside, what do you see in terms of what is Scotty for you in terms of what kind of level can he reach as a player and also what kind of developmental points can you hit on to help him get to that point? Um, Scotty is an unbelievable talent. He, he has uh, all predispositions uh, physically and talent and uh, mentally for him to be an amazing player in this league and to dominate in this league for, for many years. Um, but at the same time, we got to understand that he's 21 years old mm. and that progress is not always linear. You know, it's not going to be 15 points, 20 points, 25 points, 35 <laughs> points. It does, it does not work like that. Right. You know, so, uh, um, and I'm sure that, that uh, Scotty is aware of that and that he's putting a lot of work in. And uh, I talked to him the, the other day um, he is uh, very motivated uh, to to continue his growth, and uh, we'll, we'll do everything as a coaching staff, as an organization, to support him on that road. Yeah, I, I remember one of Scotty's uh, better games this year was actually against your your, your old team, Memphis. Uh, I don't know if you remember this as well, but there was a game where um, you guys were shorthanded, and I think Jaw was out, Dylan Brooks was out, uh, Stephen Adams was out, and the Raptors were chasing from behind the whole game. And Scotty ended up making like the two final baskets to to win the game in Memphis. I don't know if you remember watching this. Um, you obviously you I were do. there. I do. I do. Yeah, right. So there definitely is that kind of potential and that energy. And I think I think for fans, everyone just wants to see it all put together because he's such an exciting player. I, I think in terms of the idea of um, you know coming to the new roster, you, you mentioned you've spoken to a couple of players as well. What what's going to be your process in terms of how you um, earn the respect and also the build the trust with players like what is your process in that regard because obviously that is going to be something that every coach is going to need to do with their their roster sure uh first thing is going to be for me to get to know those guys uh, personally um to sit down with them to talk about uh, their goals where they see themselves uh, where they want to go i'm i'm here to serve them and i'm going to establish coaching staff with uh great uh, uh, player development and uh, coaches and coaches with great uh, experience around the league. Uh, we'll do everything in our power to, to uh, establish environment that's going to support our guys in their growth. 
And uh, for me, everything starts with uh, with those shared values. And mm-hmm. uh, I want our team to play unselfishly and together and for each other. And when we have that kind of approach, offensively and defensively, that's going to be an environment that everybody's going to shine and everybody's going to prosper from that. that. That sounds amazing, Coach. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that on the court. Um, you know, I think one thing, even talking to Masai today, but also hearing him in press conferences in the last couple of, of months, he talked about sort of, there's been this past season with the Raptors, a bit of selfishness. And, I, and I'm curious in terms of, you know, how do you address selfishness on a roster, for example? Do you feel like players are sort of inherently selfish or can you sort of like correct that with certain players and really try to change their approach more to fit the rest of the team? And also, if they don't, how do you hold players accountable? Sure. I mean, I was not with the team and uh, um, I'm reluctant to call anybody on our roster uh, selfish. You know, uh, players can occasionally make misjudge uh, decisions. You know, sometimes uh, we got to understand that we're dealing with uh, the best of the best in the world. You know, and sometimes those guys, they think they have superpowers. And you want players to be to be confident and to know that they have a support. But at the same time, there are simple principles that you need to follow. Like mm. uh, the very simple principle is if two players are on you, that means that some, somebody is open. Just ask yourself, if you're wide open at a three-point line or in a dunker spot or rolling, would you like your teammate to pass the ball to you? answer is yes, mm-hmm. 100% of the time. So you, you need to make the same decision for your teammate. Is he going to make the shot or not is less important because that's how they build the trust. Right. And then your team, when you find a wide open teammate and he misses a shot, good job. Keep shooting that. And you know what? We have a high character guys. They're going to come in the gym and put the work in and get better and we'll, we'll make shots. But there has not to be, there, there cannot be that doubt uh, in each other or whatever. That's, that's how we, we want to build from day one. And, you know, that's not going to be overnight thing. You know, that's a process and we're going to be working on that. And it's going to take us some time to, to, to get to, to that point. But uh, that's going to be the goal for us. Coach, I, I'm, I'm liking everything I'm listening to. You know, I feel like this is almost like another job interview for you in a, in a way. Um, I'm sure Masai and Bobby asked you similar questions. And uh, I'm liking what I'm hearing, Coach. This is, I'm, I'm, I, it's not a surprise that you got this job. Now, I wanted to pivot over to X's and O's as well, because obviously that's obviously a big part of your, your, your job as the coach. Um, you know, I, from what I understand in Memphis and in Phoenix, you, you had a lot to do in terms of handling the offensive. And is, is that correct in terms of that reporting? in regards to your responsibilities tactically with those two teams? Correct. Correct. I was appointed to handle more offensive side, but also um, I was always responsible for uh, multiple teams and scouting. Right. And I was uh, responsible to putting uh, game plans uh, in place to, to play uh, against the best teams in the league. So uh, even I was responsible for offensive uh, side of the ball, I do not see myself as an offensive or defensive coach. I, you know, in order to be a basketball coach, you gotta be good uh, at, at everything and offense and defense and uh, player development and building relationships and all of that. So uh, um, I'm gonna surround myself with uh, uh, great coaches and great basketball minds that uh, I want them to challenge me and uh, I want to challenge uh, my beliefs. I have strong beliefs and things that I believe that it should be done. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm not closed-minded. I want to learn. I want to get better. I want to listen to our players. Right. At the end of the day, 
those guys are out there fighting uh, for each other and, and, and trying to, to win games. So um, it's going to be team effort and uh, collaborative uh, work uh, to, to get this thing moving. Yeah. Um, well, one of the issues the Raptors ran into offensively for the last couple of years is, um, you know, the Raptors have been bottom of the league in terms of three-point shooting. There's not a lot of three-point shooting. I, I want to ask you, I guess, two things. Number one, um, do you believe shooting is a developable skill? Do you, can you teach players to get better at shooting in a meaningful way? It's um, like, can you turn a bad shooter or a non-shooter into a good shooter in the in, in the NBA level? And I think also, too, it's just like, do you need more shooting on the roster to play? You know, I was listening to a, a, a podcast that you did um, where you talked about installing the, the the offense for Phoenix, and you talked so much about playing 0.5 second basketball, making a quick decision, you know, being able to shoot, pass, or drive, in a, in a quick, you know, instant. Well, without the shooting aspect, I think a lot of modern NBA offense breaks down. So what is your thoughts on on the shooting on the team currently and, and can it be improved? Um, I'm a big believer that shooting can be improved and uh, we already have uh, a bunch of guys in the gym working over here in Toronto. Uh, all other guys are working, uh, you know, in the places at their homes, uh, so uh, shooting is a big aspect of the game. If you would ask uh, 30 GMs in the league and uh, 30 head coaches in, 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 in NBA, if you ask them, do you, do you want more shooting? Every single one of those will say, yes, we need more shooting, right? For sure, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that cannot hurt you having extra shooting. Uh, I do believe it's a, it's a thing that you can develop and you can improve. Um, but also I think that there are ways to counter if you do not have uh, great shooting in your team, um, I think there are ways you can um, teach players to do a better job at finishing, playing through contact, uh, playing uh, without the ball, cutting more, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, finding the smallest gaps that you can get uh, to, to improve your offense, full court transition and, and also uh, half court. Everything starts with, with really great defense, with multiple efforts and uh, protecting the paint and playing with length that we, we have a great length on our roster. And uh, once you do that, once you get defensive stops, once you get deflections and steals, it's much easier to go in, in a transition and score. That's and that, that early offense needs to transfer into that, what you said, like 0.5 basketball, uh, touch the paint, extra pass, uh, making each other better and playing with force, you mm-hmm. know, playing with force. Confidence uh, is, is a dangerous drug. And I want our players to, to be very confident and to trust each other you know, and to lift each other up, you know, every player, I never coached a player in my 27 years that, that missed a shot on purpose. That right. does not happen. So uh, how are we going to lift each other and, and, and just, you know, uh, show that we, we trust each other. So that's, that's going to be big, big emphasis for us. Absolutely. Uh, Coach, I, I know you're short on time, so I want to ask you three more questions really quickly. Uh, I just wanted to know, has in the process of getting hired for the, the head coach, um, did Bobby and Masai share with you their plans in terms of how they're going to build the roster, both this coming draft and free agency and moving forward? Uh, we had conversations and we still have ongoing conversations, uh, but that's something that stays in, in the house. And I have complete trust in, in uh, Masai and Bobby that they're going to create uh, the, the best roster possible for us. That's fair. Um, what would you be looking for in terms of your assistance? Do you have anybody in mind and sort of when can we expect uh, a timeline in terms of how you fill out your staff? 
Uh, we don't have timeline. Um, obviously, we want to, to try to get uh, coaches signed uh, sooner than later so we can get to work and, uh, you know, get this thing, uh, you know, preparing for the summer league that's just a couple of weeks uh, away. Um, but what I'm looking at my assistant coaches, uh, first of all, and first of the most important thing, I'm looking for good people. I'm looking for a trustworthy people that's going to be uh, uh, working for common goal. They're going to be coming in the gym to help our players. They're going to connect with everybody in the building. They're going to connect with everybody in the city. They're going to embrace uh, the program that we have, the people that they're going to work for each other and help each other. You know, uh, I'm really looking uh, for the quality people. They're going to create strong bonds on the coaching staff and with our, with our players as well. Right. Um, and then last question, Coach. Um, are you going to coach Summer League? Because um, I, know, I know you've coached lots of previous Summer Leagues, but a lot of head coaches you know, are kind of split in terms of whether or not they, they take the extra bit of reps there. So will you be coaching Raptors in the Summer League? Great question. And uh, let's keep that as a secret for now. Okay. All right. Well, I will be in Vegas. So if I see you then, uh, All right. uh, that, would be, that would be a good thing. But, Coach, thank you so much. Congratulations on this big day. I know this is something you've worked for your entire life to get to this position in the NBA. And I wish you the best of success. Our team is in your hands. Thank you so much. Looking forward to it. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. That was the newest Raptors head coach, Darko Ryakovich. Um, it's a busy day for him. I understand he's got lots of media availabilities um, and uh, – yeah, you know, but in terms of the interview itself, I thought, uh, you know, first off, you could definitely hear his enthusiasm, his energy. Um, I tried to be a little bit more direct with the questions this time and keeping it more about basketball um, because I just, you know, coming from the press conference itself, it, that was more of an introductory kind of detail, and I wanted to know a little bit more in terms of what his plans are with the player development, what his access knows kind of outlooks are, what his viewpoint is on certain players on the roster. And to me, I mean, it, he had good answers. I mean, I think obviously – um, he's not going to tell us everything. This is a public platform. You got to keep some things in house, but, uh, for, for right now, those all sound really good. And I'm hoping that Darko is able to channel that energy and channel that passion into, um, some of those things, because if we can see the Raptors play in a much more together, much more unified, much more selfless type of basketball, number one, that's what Masai was talking about all season in terms of, we need to improve this situation where there's so much selfishness on the team. Um, and yeah, you know, if he is able to solve that, I'm not surprised that uh, that's the man that Bobby and Masai ultimately went with. But that does it for us today. I've been your host, Will Lou, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe, and please rate and review the show. Thanks once again to Darko Ryakovich, producer and co-host Alex Wong, our board producer, Derek Bandeo, and David Sis for helping us behind the scenes. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and you can hear us there. Under, under lethal weapon. Under, under lethal weapon. We are talking about one of the best franchises of the past decade. 